0: Hello and welcome to The Bunker. My name is Marie LeConte and I have to say, I love a good prank. I don't mean the stupid stuff people are doing to their partners on YouTube and TikTok. I mean high effort, high reward, really weird pranks. Like, for example, selling the urine of Amazon drivers on Amazon and turning it into a bestseller. Or maybe lying about having a restaurant in your shed at the back of your garden, then making that restaurant the highest rated in London on TripAdvisor. Basically, what I'm saying is, I really like the work of Uber Butler. It's absurd and funny and usually has a point. I'm delighted to be joined by him in the studio today. Hi, Uber.
1: Hi, how's it going?
0: Very well, thanks for coming. Thank you. So The Great Amazon Heist came out last year on Channel 4 and was arguably your most high-profile project to date. In case listeners haven't really heard about it, could you talk us through the idea briefly?
1: Yeah, so it's, yeah, like a special, so 50 Minutes. Came out in October and it's basically me, I guess, fucking with Amazon. It's like a kind of variety of different bits that I do that kind of Broadly, like, look at different parts of the company. Like, I work undercover at Amazon. Yeah, as you say, I mess around with piss. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I do a segment that's on, like, the, their, the safety of their platform.
0: Mm. Oh, nice. Um, the nice section. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: which is using my nieces to assist me and kind of ordering stuff they shouldn't be able to order mm. from Amazon. And, yeah, then stuff about tax and tax avoidance. So mm. it's, like, a pretty... There's a lot backed into 50 minutes. But yeah, it, that that's basically it. It's it's a silly film, but trying to deal with something serious, I guess.
0: But yeah, no, that's fun. So actually, why did you decide to go after Amazon? Like, as you said, from like every possible angle you could think <laughs> of, like why why them?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think the interesting thing about Amazon was just just how much of a presence they've kind of become in everybody's lives. It's sort mm. of mainly, in, I guess, in the West, but over the past sort of since the pandemic and it's just, I think that I've found interest on Amazon, their kind of involvement is very physical. Like a lot of people mm. have worked for them now in this yeah. country. Like a lot of people see their boxes on street corners. A lot of people use them. Like, mm. yeah, I don't know. I, I just felt like it was kind of very in our faces. And it was, and I, I started the film as someone who used Amazon all the time mm. and liked the idea of trying to... I don't know. It just felt like they were a someone, if you call them a target, mm. it was like punch, very much punching up. Uh, yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. And and I think everyone kind of has a feeling that they don't quite play by the rules. Mm. So it was like, for me, like an intrigue, like we simultaneously, a lot of us use them. Mm. But also we accept that like they they kind of, they might not be doing everything quite right.
0: Mm. But so actually on this note, like who were the pranks kind of aimed at? Because, you know, and obviously you rate your work, but it's fair to say that Amazon's zigzags were probably not, we're probably still sleeping soundly after the show was aired. So who were you trying to get to? Like, was it people buying stuff on Amazon? Was it, yeah, perhaps just trying to get to Amazon? Like, what? Who were you trying to reach there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was funnily, I've got a, a friend who's a tech reporter in the US and they were at an offsite in uh, Seattle when mm. this all was going out. <laughs> and uh, it was they got, they got briefed by like the the, the top brass. That's Aww. fun. Yeah, I know it was good <laughs> about nice. this film. Mm. Uh, but I that I don't know really. I'm not 100 percent sure whether I kind of went into it with like a certain set of goals. I wanted to make ultimately make something that was good and entertaining mm. first and foremost. I wanted it to cut through, and that's like down to like how the ideas are generated or how they come up with like. Mm. I wanted to cut through and I think that like we had Fox News reporting on it and their kind of headlines were all like gross corporate culture at Amazon and then equally like Jeremy Vine being Mm -hmm. like, you know, what's this exactly? The Australian one show had me on and like, Mm. I feel like everything as someone who sort of built a career online, I always kind of have a, a sense that like it needs to, to have some sort of impact in the news and stuff mm. like that for it to cut for it feel feel good as well as being a piece of entertainment. Mm. The film wasn't about like delete your Amazon account. Yeah. It's definitely not that. It was like, can I kind of create enough stuff that might stick to Amazon mm. in some people's minds? And ultimately, I guess the pressure in a dream scenario is that is there's pressure on them. Mm.
0: I actually don't buy stuff from Amazon. Uh, So I feel so smug recording them. Thank you. Here I am recording this at the top of my very high horse. Uh, (laughs) So uh, this is actually the stage at which I get slightly creepy. So I started actually following your work back in 2016, I think. So I think the first piece I remember from you on Vice, I think we're kind of moving in similar online circles at the time, was the time you brought some microwave to the cinema to make your own popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, and then I think shortly after that as well, when you built your own sex robot called the U-Bot. Can you talk a bit about those kind of like very early days of like pranking for Vice?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really fun. And I think the funniest thing for me is that it was actually, that was actually how I was making my living. Mm, yeah. So it was like <laughs> I had to, <laughs> to write like three or four of these pieces a month to pay my rent when I was living <laughs> in the shed at the time. That's where I yeah. lived in that shed. And like... You know, it was £900 a month with my partner, half it. You know, that's how much I knew I had to earn. And I I, I and I think that there may be a sense or feeling that, like, if someone is making silly stuff like this, that maybe they're, like, just a posh kid who, you know, can do whatever mm. they want without any mm. thought about, about like any consequence it definitely wasn't that yeah and that was so this was weird it was like very so quite, like, what I found funny is that this is like this was my job I went back to it and was like highlighted a couple that I stuck in my mind was like the omelette du fromage one I did one you know the episode oh, yeah. <laughs> Next oh. to laboratory, where yeah. he, he, he accidentally kind of tricks himself into only being able to say, I'm not like, do fromage. I yeah. did that for a day, <laughs> <laughs> isolated everyone in my life. Yeah, smuggling myself on a suitcase to get around a train fare.
0: Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, there you yeah. go, yeah. Oh.
1: And it, I guess in the broader, basically they would come to me and be like, you know, Uber, have you got any ideas about this? Mm. And I'd be like, oh. Uh, <laughs> so you, were
0: you kind of the newsroom weirdo? like someone go a really weird idea and it was like,
1: where's Uber? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think that like, you know, if anyone thought who's got a low enough opinion of themselves uh, mm. <laughs> to to do this. Yeah. And I was just grateful because I, you know, I tried to be a musician and failed and I didn't go to uni or anything like that. So I was kind of just I came to London to a, mm. uh, just because I wanted to be here because it was exciting. Yeah. And then this was like just, yeah, I mean, it was like the dream. I, I, I wasn't actually ever a full time employee. It was always freelance. Mm. So I would just get like. It started. I was doing stuff for Noisy, mm. and then that, took which was Vice's uh, music vertical, and then yeah, it kind of built from there. But like, yeah, mm. no, I, I, the U bot with the sex part was uh, me, me, and Chris Bethel, and we, yeah, we we went to the. I remember we went to the British Invention Show <laughs> and presented this, basically what was a Zimmer frame with a a, a, <laughs> a, a pumpkin or a melon with a hole in it and uh, several <laughs> paraphernalia, <laughs> sexual paraphernalia attached to it. And we got like, <laughs> th- it was we were surrounded by all these people with their very earnest inventions oh being like, and I had a little sign that just had a graph pointing upwards. Um, <laughs> and yeah, they like completely just chucked us out. And yeah, I mean, it was...
0: I feel like that was deserved, to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah. definitely,
1: definitely. You've got this guy with a, like a terrorist-proof manhole cover, and we're next to them. Is, like, <laughs> you know, I hadn't actually spent much time in the last few years thinking about it. And then mm. when you, when I heard you want to talk about it, I was like, "Fucking hell, yeah, that was my job."
0: But so actually say so it's kind of fair to say that all those kind of early pranks weren't especially political; like they, they were just fun and weird. And um, so when you did decide to switch over to more kind of like pointed pranks.
1: I don't know, I think I just got older. What happened was, I was doing these things and there'd be really quick turnaround and I knew I had mm. to do a, a few of them. Then I did my piece about the fake restaurant. Yeah, and um, that's the one
0: that blew up really, It me, changed isn't it? the game yeah.
1: for me. But before that, I did the one about fashion week and Giorgio mm. Peviani, the fake designer. Those two were like back to back. And basically, as I went on, the pranks got more elaborate. Mm. And that like meant that almost it became this thing that I wasn't then known for like something that would Be quick. It would be something that would be elongated and like Mm. come out of nowhere. So then that sort of changed in my mind, and also that was like what I was getting more success doing. Mm. I guess thinking back. So I initially then I went from being like silly quick things to like elaborate long quick things, Mm. and then yeah, during that time, I guess with the success of those, like completely changed my life. Was very lucky, and then having more time to work on stuff Mm. and getting older. Mm. I wanted to make stuff that, I don't know, I just, I guess that's naturally sort of where I went. Mm. I still say that I, you know, I always, I'm trying to make something that I find funny. Mm. That definitely hasn't gone. Yeah. But I think I, I enjoy the fact that, like, it's a fun space to play with the real world with something that's quite silly and juvenile
0: mm. and so and why do you think actually you're stupid or funny or whatever like pranks have got so popular because again like so yeah comparing the early days to how much the shed stuff blew up and you know numbers amazon and etc like why do you think like is it just that we see people enjoy pranks but not enough people are making pranky stuff at the moment or like why
1: yeah i don't know maybe because this i think prank by in itself is like almost it's so lame isn't it a prank
0: it, no, I feel like I had to write the word prank in my script yeah, yeah. so many times, and I was like, this feels embarrassing for <laughs> yeah, some yeah, reason. Like, yeah. I don't really know why, but yeah. Um,
1: there's something really lame about it, a prank. And I think it's quite a disarming thing to use mm. if you want to do something. But yeah, I, I don't know really. I think that I would say that there's way more bad ones than good ones, mm. or like mean-spirited ones. Or mm. I think the target of a prank needs to be like... If it's not punching upwards, then mm. for me, there's sort of, it can't really be funny anyway. Yeah. I think it's quite a nice thing to use if it's like something that's quite disarming. You're admitting that you are yourself a bit of a fool if you're playing one. Yeah. And like, it's fun to, you know, mess with people that, or institutions that deserve it in a way that's sort of beneath them. Mm. drag them down to your level and all that.
0: And, yeah. <laughs> um, and so have you actually managed to ever get some kind of like concrete results from any of the stuff you know? I don't want to say the word prank again. I've become no, no, really no, no, self-aware of how many We're times you've said with prank. It. Let's, yeah. let's prank cool. ourselves so, yeah.
1: into a prank bin.
0: Let's prank ourselves to death. Um, yeah. But yes, but so have, you, have you ever managed to get concrete results from your pranks?
1: Yeah. So weirdly, the Singaporean parliament used, <laughs> used my fake restaurant piece <laughs> to inform new laws that they made on fake news. That's something. If That's you, really cool. You can, okay, find, yeah. you can look it up. It's on YouTube, like the very earnest yeah. uh, parliament session. <laughs> There's an MP called Edwin Tong and he's like, you know, having to be like, here is a picture of what you think of a meal, but it's actually mm. an egg on a foot. <laughs> and, and they're all kind of, this is pretty funny. They're
0: all nodding. And like, oh. yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. TripAdvisor changed their algorithm. That was the thing. Oh, But they, they did not, because in public, they their right reply, they basically diminished it and said it was, this proves nothing. But then... I can't actually verify that, really, mm. but just from people who work there and people saying to me that they changed their algorithm. It came through someone, a journalist I know, her friend actually worked on the algorithm and it was they, they changed it. And then I think there was something with this Amazon film, which I found quite heartening, which was we, we end the film with advice from the lawyer throughout the film. And I kind of mm. trick him into giving all the Amazon employees who have signed this NDA. Mm. Basically, he says that the NDA doesn't stand up in any real way. It doesn't Ooh, protect yeah. you mm. from. It doesn't stop an employee from reporting wrongdoing. You know, in the in oh. the profession and yeah, and, um, that was that's been viewed quite a lot. We created a website that that lives on, and yeah, I've I don't know how much I can say about this, but there's ongoing things from our undercover that we did at the Amazon fulfillment center in Coventry, yeah.
0: which did it show like you know like. Yeah. bleak working conditions yeah so, yeah.
1: yeah and we we, mm. we stumbled like kind of accidentally I was part of this kind of alleged union busting I have to sort of 115 new employees on my shift everyone was a student and everyone was an overseas student other than me and one other person mm. and that was something that had been kind of alleged but, but hadn't proven mm. and there's ongoing stuff with that but yeah I don't know yeah so I, I guess those things are things that came to mind, Singaporean mm. Parliament <laughs> to uh, TripAdvisor Stooge plus, mm. uh, yeah, NDAs and undercover stuff, yeah. But mm.
0: well, that's quite funny. It's a thing with like online journalism or online work, isn't it, When you just end up getting weird results. Also, I think similarly, yeah. I once, which is kind of a long story, which I'm not going to tell in total, but I wrote a very gossipy story in the Evening Standard many years ago, which and like the, the kind of tail end of that was Narendra Modi giving 10 grand to charity and it was like what what <laughs> he'd, he'd worn this like really fancy suit and we'd managed to track down the Savile Row tailor who'd got it made because it is really like pinstripe suit but it said Narendra Modi in tiny letters instead of like actual pinstripes no way. so we were literally in the Londoner's Diary which is like London's gossip like society gossip column we wrote that up and somehow the leader of the opposition in the Indian no Parliament way. found that and then asked wow. the question yeah he had to donate the same amount of money to charity and it was like what a what a weird fucking yeah, yeah,
1: like, <laughs> that is unbelievable. Um, I mean, that's much better than anything I've had. So there you go. I know, yeah. I really
0: know Singapore is now you know a haven of. Like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's true. It's very true.
0: Is there actually a world, do you think, in which you, you kind of turn to more straightforward activism, like more serious stuff, or or are you just a professional prankster?
1: I don't think I would call myself an activist, really, mm. to be honest. So I don't think that is something within me. I think I'll just continue making stuff. Like before mm. I was a writer mainly, mm. then, I, then I went into sort of online docs, then I did I've, now I've been doing TV. I did Catfish for a few years, for two years, mm. a few seasons, and now I've been doing this new Amazon thing. Hopefully, my career will develop and I'll make different things. That, ha- but, but again, stuff I, I don't actually know because I think that you hope that your worldview somewhat informs what you do, right? Mm. Yeah. So, I do, I do, could you call that a type of activism? I don't know. There's definitely a type of TV person or person in the public eye or something who who is like more of a campaigner and an activist kind of. And that's like really valuable. I'm just mm. not sure whether that's me. I that's, think I yeah, don't. Yeah, I don't, mm. I don't. I think it, I'm. I think they're above what what I do. I think I'm down here in the mud. <laughs> <laughs> Having a fun
0: time though. I am um, mucking about. But yeah, but so are they actually any downsides? Do you think to the kind of like form of work you've chosen for yourself? Like, is there? Did you all? Do you think you always kind of manage to get your message across efficiently? Or yeah, like any? Yeah, does anything suck does anything <laughs> about suck doing about pranks? About my line of work? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I remember my... I, I did this thing where I sent lookalikes to my interviews for mm. a while, uh, successfully. And uh, I remember my great auntie being like, at Christmas dinner that year, being like, are you a lookalike then, are you? And I was like, this is a bit weird when it starts turns up at the Christmas dinner uh, table. But I don't know, really. I, I guess there's something where I, I've had it quite a lot where... Employers or people that I could work for or with don't trust me, and (laughs) and that's that's fun.
0: I did. I am sorry to say, I did wonder like idly yesterday. I was like, "Is the fucker going to send a (laughs) lift?" So I am sorry to say that I with
1: my great aunt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I Mm. I mean, it's like a bit of a boy who cried wolf sometimes.
0: Do you think someone you know who's maybe like ten years younger than you could have a similar kind of career? to you now? Or do you think those kind of avenues have been a bit blocked off by just because online media has changed so much and there's maybe not enough space anymore for people to be like, I'm going to do weird stuff and see what happens?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would say that it's probably in terms of journalism and media, I would say that it definitely feels like there's probably less opportunities. I mean, to be honest, to do the sort of stuff that I do, I feel like there's very few places within the media anyway it's more i'd say within entertainment there's more opportunities for doing the stuff that i would do Mm. like i reckon that you could basically what i'm trying to say is i think you could say like the tiktok algorithm currently is quite giving Mm. as a as a as an algorithm because advertising is not that big on tiktok Mm. so it's not like an instagram or any meta company facebook whatever where you know it's been sold to the highest bidder and now we're presented Mm. with something you know, something else or Twitter's beginning to become well mm. established that it's sort of changed a lot, yeah. you know. So, what I'm trying to say is basically, like, where is the like the org- the room for like an organic growth or something? Mm. I can imagine that maybe, like, n- maybe if you were starting out and you were doing stuff on TikTok or maybe Reddit, it seems like there's a little bit more of a wholesome, mm. like. Movements to their like algorithms, where it's a bit more like if you do something, then maybe it, it might actually ca- like mm. you might get a chance. Yeah, but that's different. Well, that is all. Base- if they're not
0: getting paid though, I guess. If they're just yeah, doing it's it on true. TikTok yeah, or, that's yeah. so true.
1: I um, yeah, you're right. Actually, TikTok is really hard to monetize. Yeah, mm. even people who have a lot of followers, like. I've got 800,000 followers on TikTok and I've Ooh. not earned a penny I've not earned a penny off really? it. Really? Yeah, no. I mean, I haven't oh. tried to monetize it anyway. Yeah. But I don't really think that it is a platform where, you, whereas if mm. you had that on YouTube, you'd be making a fuck ton of money. Yeah. And the YouTube algorithm, again, is another thing. I think in terms of media, I, I don't really, I think that you could maybe partner with, like you could go to a vice. I know what you mean, like if as a writer to begin in Britain now, mm. unless you've, you know maybe got a lot of connections in your family or whatever or access to that world i think it would be trickier
0: so i guess just to finish so like <laughs> yeah. for you like what would be you know what is the kind of platonic ideal of the prank like mm. what would be your ideal like let's say your next one goes perfectly like what does that look like
1: Okay, so I think probably all of us who built a career in, you know, online journalism have mm. a thing where my arbiter of a good idea or a good prank, we can call it, mm. uh, is like whether you can sum it up in a sentence. And uh, I, my first job was for a music news website writing clickbait. Mm. So it was like <laughs> I'd get paid if I got more clicks. Yeah. So I always like managed trying to distill like very boring topics about boring things like Axl Rose arguments slash or whatever mm. into like something that people could click on. So I would say a good idea is always for me, it's like, it passes that test of, can I sum it up in a sentence? And it's, and I'll pitch it, basically pitch is a like mm. a, not the right term here but I'll just say it to my friends mm. and see what their reactions are <laughs> and they're like leave me alone <laughs> uh, and then so there is that it would be something that would the, the, and that would test to me whether it was going to travel because if it's yeah. like if someone's like in the look in their faces like for, like a bit of excitement mm. that would be that would be a, a good step one for me mm. step two I always think about like Mr. Bean visual comedy Charlie yeah. Chaplin Busker Keaton kind of things so I would be like does it have like enough visual jokes in it Prank. so mm. that like, you know, does it, is there an image that you could snap out of it that would tell the story of the prank without having to give any context. Yeah, they just do that like
0: instantly. Yeah, funny yeah, you yeah, like, yeah,
1: yeah. Like, there's—I mm. hate to—I only reference in my own work here because I'm a, I'm a narcissist. But there's the thing of the egg on the foot with the shed, where mm. you think it's a delicious high-end Michelin-worthy mm. meal, and you know the uncropped version of the image is it's an egg on my foot. Yeah. And that—and that—that doug like is for me. It's like got, that's got everything. That's the height
0: of humor. <laughs> it's got every,
1: no, but it's like from from my. Yeah. You asked me about my shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. that for me. That that like that tells the. <laughs> story of the thing or you know whatever yeah. that mm-hmm. so it would have to have some enough visual gags within it the perfect thing would be that yeah I guess then it's like back down to like impact isn't it and it's mm-hmm. like the impact is like whether it will organically people will organically enjoy it mm. on the internet yeah. or or on whatever medium say Channel 4 for this last film mm. people organically enjoy it then the like real joy is like the thing that you didn't plan for, like Modi having to donate mm, yeah. 10000 to a charity or like Singaporean <laughs> Parliament having to earnestly discuss it. Like those are like the most joyful kind of consequences mm. uh, because you, you can't plan for them. So I guess that for me, for the kind of thing that I do, that would be like a slam dunk.
0: Mm. Oh, brilliant. Well, that was a really great chat. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you.
1: Cheers. I enjoyed it.
0: Listeners, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can back us on Patreon so we can keep making them. There's a link in the show notes or just search Bunker Patreon Podcast. For as little as £3 a month, you'll get access to episodes early and without adverts, as well as exclusive merchandise offers. I'm Marie LeConte, and you are listening to The Bunker. The Bunker Daily was written and presented by Marie LeConte. The producer was Eliza Davis Beard and the audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. The managing editor is Jacob Jarvis and the group editor is Andrew Harrison. With music by Kenny Dickinson and artwork by Jim Parrott, The Bunker is a Podmasters
1: production.